Hello, I'm Kelly Crichton and this is The Reset Room. We're here to give you the tools you need to succeed and to answer your questions on your journey to fulfillment. Today, I'm very pleased to be joined by Stuart Sandeman, founder of BreathPod and author of Breathe In, Breathe Out, amongst other things, as well as hosting BBC Radio 1's Decompression Session. In case you haven't guessed it, Stuart's area of expertise is breathing. He helps people improve their physical, mental and emotional health through the power of breathing. Through his business BreathPod, Stuart offers unique breathing and coaching programs to a wide range of clients that are designed to accelerate performance, increase productivity, alleviate stress and help reduce negative emotions such as anger, fear, frustration and depression. Hi Stuart, welcome to the Reset Room. Hi, how you doing? Good, thank you. We are very excited to talk to you today. You have a new book out that we're going to talk about soon. But first, if you wouldn't mind sharing, you've been on quite a journey to get to where you are today. Please tell us about your background and how you first came to learn about just how impactful our breathing can be. Yeah, so it has been quite a journey and and certainly breathing was something I overlooked for many, many years, like most of us. I thought, well, yes. it's just happening in the background and it doesn't, doesn't really do anything um, apart from keep us alive, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I never really thought of the depth of the power or, or how it can be used as a tool to empower us in many, many different ways. My background is, is kind of jumped through different industries. Growing up, I was very, very sporty. I actually left school to pursue judo as a career. Mm-hmm. And Quite early on in that path, I, I slipped a disc in my back and, and pulled me out of that sport. Although I'd done it, I'd been doing judo since I was four years old. So this was around about 18, 19. Mm-hmm. Went off to university and, and studied maths and, and ended up in finance in London and over in Hong Kong as well. Um, so kind mm-hmm. of went from this very sporting space into more of a corporate role. And throughout that whole time, music has been a massive passion of mine. Mm-hmm. Making music, playing music, running a music events. And some music that I made was picked up by a record label. Wow. So another jump from kind of this this corporate world into a very creative space. And I started mm-hmm. touring the world as a DJ. So usually at this point in my story, people think, breathing? What? What's happened? Yeah. Um, and it was another big pivot point. My girlfriend at the time when I was doing my music was diagnosed with terminal cancer. Uh, so that really put the brakes on what I was doing. At, at, and in some ways ignited the judo player how do we beat this thing yeah um looking at all the amazing conventional treatments out there um and then the minefield of alternatives there's so many um and tried to navigate that time and sadly she passed away i didn't find breathing at that time i wish i could share often when i tell my story i feel like people are waiting for me to say breathing saved her and and but it's it wasn't that. It was. It was afterwards when she passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, I moved back to Scotland, where I'm from, and and I just took my mum for Mother's Day to a breathing class. Mm-hmm. That's as far as I thought about it. My mum's into yoga, and that, that's I put two and two together. Yeah. Um, it was the week after Mother's Day, and so that was it. I went to this class, and I had a really, really profound experience. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt like all the tension of emotion, all the grief, all the sadness, all the weight was kind of pulled off and kind of evaporating from me. Mm-hmm. And I felt that like my girlfriend was there holding my hand. Wow. So it was a really, really powerful experience. And 
being the way I am, the kind of logical thinker, that, right, mm. I'll leave you, I've lost the plot. That's my first option. <laughs> Someone's maybe spiked my drink or put something in my water bottle and they certainly like, didn't seem... like, this is a, a very hippie embracing event. Yeah, like, not, they didn't seem the type to do that. So I was like, <laughs> right, okay. So I'm either going mad or there's something very special here that I've overlooked, mm. this thing called breathing. Mm -hmm. So I, I went in for some more um, and I started working very closely with that particular style of breathing. And before that, I didn't know there was any styles of breathing. I didn't know mm -hmm. there was different types of breathing, different practices. There's a, it's, it's way more complex than I ever could have imagined. And mm. um, this thing that we do 20,000 times a day. So that was what it was for me. It was something that by chance I found myself having an experience through breathing that was deeply profound and extremely, extremely helpful. Mm -hmm. So much so that I thought, and let's check. Was that a one-off? Can I? What? What was that? What happened? Mm -hmm. I had a lot of question marks. Mm -hmm. so a lot of questions to be answered. So I went back, and it was like my own discovery. Initially, it was working through grief. It was a place where I could find solace and have a safe space to actually feel for the first time in a long time, like me, myself and raw feelings and emotions. And, mm -hmm. and the way that style of breathing works is it kind of creates that space. We, we let go of the tension in our body and that tension is usually due to trapped emotion. Mm -hmm. And the more I uncovered through that practice, the more questions I still had. And it was a bit more yogic with um, less emphasis on some of the science Okay. And I'm quite a science-minded person. So mm -hmm. I went off to find out as much as I possibly could about breathing because I started to notice my energy levels increase. My okay. sleep got deeper. The voice in my head was much kinder to me. I started to kind of skip through my day. I know that sounds yeah. a metaphor, but things start to feel brighter and much more in flow. Mm -hmm. And people around me started to notice it as well. It's like, oh, you, you feel like you're, you're back, you're, you're here. And found love again. And all these amazing things start to happen. And like most practitioners in many fields, it's usually something that helps you so much that you go, everyone else needs this. Yes. Everybody yes. else needs this. And that was certainly the case for me. I had such an amazing experience and continued amazing experience through learning about breathing. So much so I was like, why didn't no one teach me to breathe when I was doing sport? Why didn't yeah. no one teach me to breathe when I was stressed out of work? Yeah. Why didn't no one teach me to breathe when I was wanting to come up with creative ideas in the studio or why did no one teach me to breathe when I was nervous before gigs? Mm -hmm. um, so there's all these uh, like reflections on, wow, this is really, really powerful. And if it's helped me so much, it could help a lot of other people. So that's mm -hmm. when I set up my business, BreathPod, um, initially was solely focused in the corporate space. Okay. Going in, working out with kind of stressed out city workers yeah. um, across many different Which businesses. Which you could identify with. Which I could identify with. Yeah, mm -hmm. it seemed like a nice entry point, but also having a one-to-one -one, um, clinic where I did a lot of deeper work, where I'm working with individuals through grief or through real big life challenges, quite complex challenges. Um, and I, I'd find that, because I trained to be a coach and using talking therapy and things like that as well, but I found that the breath could go to a level that words couldn't mm -hmm. or it could reach a subconscious level where we locked off yeah. those parts of our conscious thoughts and minds to protect us in some ways or maybe we just forgotten or maybe we we're so withdrawn or numb through different experiences that we've kind of locked it in the cellar of our mind and I found that our, our breathing could access that space so that's where I went in and from there it just it just it's been a really amazing and magical time of just 
seeing these transformations mm -hmm. individually, collectively in groups, then we're working back in the sports space as well, which is slightly different because it's measurable. You can yes. say, oh, what's your performance now? What's your performance oh, okay. in four weeks? I get you. Which, which then would excite people in the sports space, um, working with peak performing athletes like the Olympic athletes. Are you talking about literally like their oxygen levels and things like that, that they're breathing better when you're talking about that where you can actually measure yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Well, yeah. A more more measurement of yeah that like VO two max okay. the maximum delivery of oxygen to the yeah. body and and tolerance to carbon dioxide and and some more, slightly more technical things that are a measure of mm -hmm. I often think the measure of sporting performance is yeah. how breathless do I get yeah yeah or yeah. how how sore are my muscles which stop mm -hmm. me competing maybe it's a bit different for contact sports if mm -hmm. you get knocked or something yeah but. In, in terms of fitness, mm -hmm. it, it tends to be those two parameters and they're both to do with breathing. Lactic acid building up in the body, which is due to anaerobic respiration, which is mm -hmm. different from our aerobic respiration. So working with respiration and working with both sides of that, we can really make some huge performance enhancements through simply breathing. And I suppose on the more emotional side of things, you're obviously getting really good feedback from your clients at this point which encouraged you to develop the business, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. That's what was exciting in some ways, because mm -hmm. I guess the scientific research was something happened really amazing for me. And then the more I trained, the more I saw that happening in other people. Mm -hmm. And then when I started my business, especially on the one-to-one -one side or in group and in, in collective sort of groups working on the deeper emotional side, people would really transform in that hour. Like incredible things somebody who'd, who'd had a motorbike accident who'd lost feeling in his leg mm -hmm. and his leg had been numb and then after the hour of breathing his, he could get feeling back in his leg and it's just bizarre like miracle kind of things which for me was exciting and amazing but always anecdotal mm. and that's where the sceptic world comes well it's anecdotal it may, may not have been of that and that's that's the part that I have been trying to quantify as well. That was kind of my next question, which was going to be around, I know when you were going through your girlfriend's illness with her, that you looked at different therapies and holistic, holistic ones and otherwise. Why do you think, having probably seen quite a lot of different therapies, etc., why do you think it was the breathing workshop that was the one that really hooked you in? Through the, the many different therapies we went through for her cancer treatment, I, I guess in some ways there was there was fear attached to it all because the doctors already had had given us a timeline, a terminal timeline. You've got X amount of time. Okay. Um, initially it was 18 months and that was just like the ticking time bomb for us. So we were trying something and then getting her tested and marked and nothing had changed. Yeah. So then we'd be like, do we carry on trying this thing you or do we timeline. jump to something else? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I think there's so many amazing alternative therapies and there's so much amazing conventional treatment, mm -hmm. but nobody kind of merges and talks and the doctor said, you should be trying this. Mm -hmm. Although they've given you a terminal diagnosis um, through their, ter their, their trainings and practices and then the alternative say, don't ever do, don't do that stuff. Yeah. You should just be doing this. Yeah. Um, so we tried to combine as much as we could and, and learn as much as we possibly could through that time. And... In all honesty, if somebody said, just go and breathe, I probably wouldn't have listened. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would have said, come on, like mm -hmm. breathing, really? That's that. That's not going to cure cancer mm -hmm. or 
solve anything. Mm -hmm. It might make us feel calm or this, but I, I just never, I just overlooked it. And I think if it was there, I wouldn't have listened. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's not saying it's a cure for cancer, but certainly having these remarkable changes and shifts in people's physiology, yep. mindset, body chemistry, that things do seem to help in many, many ways. So why I think it helped so much for me, well, I don't think there was a coincidence I ended up in that breathing class. I know that's kind of getting a little bit abstract or, or cosmic, but I almost don't believe in coincidences these days. But being there in that session is the first thing that I've personally done that has kind of gone pow. Like yeah. compared to meditations, which in, in all essence, breathwork is, is meditation. Mm -hmm. It's a big umbrella. But the traditional forms of meditation, sort of under-stimulating, sitting in silence, calming the mind and, and or maybe repeating a mantra mm -hmm. or whatever form of meditation that is, or going for a run now often things are meditation too. Mm -hmm. yeah. It didn't have the level of connection to something greater than myself yeah. in those experiences. Okay. I'd feel like I'm very conscious, I'm very much here, I'm sitting, I'm doing my meditation, I'm observing my thoughts or whatever that was. And I'd find it really, really challenging. Whereas with the breath work, within a couple of minutes, I start to feel different. Wow. My body mm -hmm. started to shake and tremor and I was like, well, something's happening here mm -hmm. and what's going on? And then it, visuals would start coming in and, and it started to feel emotions start to stir. And that all happened very, very quickly within about 10 minutes for me in that moment. And I know I was probably at boiling point in terms of the experience that I'd gone through mm -hmm. the 18 months of that whole roller coaster ride, but then also then losing her and not thinking I was going to lose her. And I think that was a big part for me for grief was mm -hmm. I thought we were going to do it. And that judo player, that optimist said, no, we will defy the odds. Mm -hmm. Let's not listen to them. We've got this. That was a huge burden to me through grief because I felt so much guilt, yeah. so much regret. Mm -hmm. Should we have gone left instead of right? Should we have listened to that person or this person? Or why didn't we try this? Or why didn't we try that? Why didn't I read that other email that someone said? You know, there's oh. all these kind of... Yeah. Um, weight that we threw on questions so when i went to that breathing class there was a lot of tension there now what is quite interesting is i didn't allow myself to emote when she passed i didn't cry really my grief would be internal mm -hmm. anger and frustration at me anger at the world why me these kind of questions and i'd kind of go from withdrawal like complete silent, not getting out of bed, not wanting to speak to anybody, not answering my phone, just like I just didn't want to be around anybody. Mm -hmm. Or it would be complete outburst. Yeah. I'd feel anger, I'd slam a door, I'd punch a wall, but I wouldn't allow myself to actually feel the sensation of grief. Now, what I've learned and what I talk a lot about in, in Breathe In, Breathe Out, which is in different sections, so this is the mid-sections, the deeper work, is that we hold our breath to stop feeling Mm. So our breath is actually, it moves and flows with our life. If we're happy, our breaths start to expand and flow. When we're laughing, it kind of jigs and judders. When we cry, it kind of does something different, but it does the same. So part of our emotional integration cycle, which is feeling, mm -hmm. something's triggered us to feel emotion. The body releases chemicals in different organ points. The body feels that and we need to process it. And the way we process it is we have an emotional reaction. Mm -hmm. 
Now, if we deem it's not appropriate to burst out crying right now or it's not appropriate to punch the wall or it's not appropriate to laugh at that person, mm-hmm. um, we, we hold our breath to stop that emotional processing. So that's a very conscious example, but unconsciously the mind also does that through our beliefs, through our conditioning, through our past, through our lens that we see the world, it causes us to hold our breath to stop that emotional processing. So using myself as an example, I'd done judo all my life. Big boys don't cry. Mm-hmm. Grew up in Scotland. Teddy bear was called Tough Ted. Yeah. You, you can see that my conditioning was very much this male persona of... Hardy exterior. Yeah, strength. Strength, the notion of strength is a good thing. I'll get through any challenge. And that, up until that point, I thought that was, a, I genuinely thought that was a good thing. It was a good trait of mine. Um, but then I start to realize that that had its flaws as well. Mm-hmm. And that had its flaws in moments like that because I was holding on. I was still holding on to this notion. And going into using breathwork as a tool, it kind of would take down those barriers. It allowed me to feel what it allows us to do is because we've held our breath to stop the emotional processing from our past, from our experience, whether that is immediate like the grief yeah. or whether that is me holding on from the little boy that doesn't want to show tears. So when this happened, I would open up through the restrictive patterns in my breathing mm-hmm. and release that held emotion. And this ha- it happened a bit of, on the first session, but it happened again and again and again. And it felt like just peeling off or emptying this bag of bricks of emotion processing that I hadn't allowed myself to process. A kind of liberation by the sounds of things. Yeah, a liberation, but therapy without the words. Yeah. Taking me to that point of feeling, feeling so I could let go. and Because and, the only way to process something is to feel it. We can try and skirt around it the whole time, but if we just allow ourselves to feel it, we complete that integration cycle, which takes 90 seconds, mm. which is the, the strangest part. And there's Harvard research says yeah, 90 seconds to process emotion. Wow. But we hold on. We hold on, hold on, and hold on. And when we hold on, and how we hold on is by holding our breath. And by holding our breath, then our breath pattern changes. So the signal from our body to our brain from our breath, which tells us what's happening in our environment, because our breath regulates our energy levels, it regulates our stress response. Mm-hmm. Then if we're holding on and we've held on because of an experience, then our breath pattern changes. And we get held into these kind of holding patterns. Or in the book, I talk about breathing archetypes. Okay. And that breathing archetypes almost holds us hostage into a way of being or a way of behaving or a way of thinking or a way of feeling, whether that's the, the person says, I'm just an anxious person. Yeah, there can be anxiety disorders, of course, slightly different. But for many people who say, I'm just an anxious person, it's usually just an experience that's caused them to feel anxious or multiple experiences that's caused them to feel anxiety. Mm-hmm. So their breath will be an anxious breathing pattern. And it happens so much that they just say, well, this is actually just me. And what I say is actually, well, no, these parts of ourselves can be changed. And yes, we can do that by working with the mind, which is where a therapist or a coach or or somebody would work. And that's Mm -hmm. very valid. And also a really, really helpful tool that can go where the mind, even deeper within the mind, is our breathing. Is the bridge between the conscious and unconscious. You're talking about there sort of about like that immediacy of something happens and we do breathe or we don't breathe. 
What about the sort of longer term impacts? So learning to breathe properly can help us with sort of longer term issues like anxiety, grief and insecurity. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's all linked because the way you breathe triggers the way you feel. Yeah. And our state of being. So our state of being is a product of how we're thinking and how we're feeling. And when they match, that creates our state of being. So if we say mm-hmm. um, my state of being is anxiety, mm-hmm. well, we're thinking anxious thoughts and we're feeling anxiety in our body. So there's two ways to shift that. We can change our thoughts, which is easily said, not Mm. as easy to do because they are so habitual in many ways. Change our thoughts, that will change the signal to our our body and breath and change the way we feel. Or we can jump in and override our breathing pattern, which Mm. will send a signal to our brain, say, look, well, we're not stressed down here. The body's body's calm. And the brain might come in with another thought that is stressful. But if we start working with our breath, and creating a nice, relaxed, calm breath, our mind will follow. So absolutely, I'm using stress and anxiety as, as an example, but we can use our breath and we can learn if we're stuck in some of these breathing patterns. Now, I, I gave the examples before about, I guess, trauma or experiences that cause us to freeze and, and freeze our breathing. It can just be habitual. Yeah. It could be the stressful day is actually a stressful week and that stress it's creating a stressful breathing pattern. And this is purely just because the way our bodies are designed or, or made, and they have been made for thousands of years, our ancestors are no different. The primal response is to keep you safe. So if we register a threat in our environment, the brain signals our breathing to speed up, to increase, to get more oxygen to our cells, to leg it to safety or fight off, mm-hmm. whatever that is, the fight or flight response. Or the third response that we still see today a lot is the freeze response. Mm -hmm. Now that happens very quickly if the body and mind says, well, I'm trapped. I can't run. I can't Mm -hmm. fight this off. Let's play dead. And hope that whatever that threat is, walks past. Goes away. Goes away. But what's also interesting is it's part of that response is if we do land in that bear's clutch or that tiger's mouth, Mm -hmm. we're numb enough so we don't feel it. Okay. So that's part of the play dead. So when we look at that in our modern context, because there's not many tigers and bears roaming around, thankfully, um, (laughs) but maybe if we turn up in a social situation and we freeze, or maybe if we have an experience where we've just, we've frozen and we've get stuck in that freeze response Mm -hmm. and we feel withdrawn and we, Mm -hmm. we don't know what to do and we feel numb and we can't access the feeling so again breath will allow us to get into that space and open up through those restrictive patterns so we can start to feel again and we can move through that freeze response into a, a safety response yeah sending a message to our bodies that like it's okay <laughs> yeah yeah now. absolutely and it can just be habitual like i said it can just be the the stressful day causes a stressful pattern what sprung to mind for me there was, you know, if somebody's panicking about something, you'll say to them, just stop and take a breath, breathe, take a breath. And like, I guess this is just really expanding on that, isn't it? And it's So it can be used more widely than just in a crisis moment. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I think there's, there's both. There is learning the tools to take control in the crisis moment. Yeah. Now, the crisis moment could be the ones we're talking about. Mm-hmm. stressed, overwhelmed, worried, feeling flustered and anxious. And we can turn that 
switch or dial down by using our breath, calming our breath, calming the body, calming the mind. The crisis moment might be, I'm exhausted. and I need to go and do something mm. today. Or I didn't sleep well last night, but I've got a full day of my diaries slammed. Well, okay. we can actually create energy. We can use our stress response to create stress, which motivates us, positive stress. Stress often gets the bad name because we're trying to get rid of it all the time, but we can use it to motivate us in those moments. So using our breath to actually evoke energy in the body so that we can get through the day and not have to reach for five cups of coffee to just get us through and feel that coffee crash. So we can yeah. use, we can harness our natural energy levels or we can also, if we, the other crisis might be, I'm, I can't think, I've got so many things on that I'm feeling distracted and our mind's distracted and we can't act, come up with that great idea or we can't access that part of our brain for creative thinking. And again, we can use certain breathing techniques to, in those crisis moments, create an optimal environment for our brain to function. So we have those crisis moment techniques, reactive, I'm feeling a certain way, I want to feel something different. But then also we have, on the other hand, a really, really powerful, empowering tool that can integrate our past, work through our stressors so that we don't have to do those techniques as, as readily because with a daily practice, we can just start off our day, do a daily practice of breath work, set ourselves up so that we don't have that stressful day in the first place. Sure. And what about, is there, just to speak more generally, is there a proper way to breathe? Like you and I sitting here, is there things we could be doing to make sure that we're doing it the best way possible? Yes. Of, yeah, of course. Just to backtrack, it's kind of a trick question because it depends on what you're doing. Yes. Okay. If yeah. you're running for the bus, yeah. your breathing is going to be very different from sat still yeah. in a relaxation. So usually when we say the, the proper way to breathe, the optimal way to breathe I say starting at rest. Mm -hmm. How am I breathing at rest? And then how am I breathing during my day? How am I breathing when I'm doing sport? How am I breathing when I'm sleeping? How am I breathing when okay. I'm speaking? They're the five areas that I usually uncover with somebody. There are some apparatus that are important to use. Okay. The first what the first two may be quite obvious for many people is use our nose mm -hmm. to breathe. It filters the air gets the perfect moisture and temperature of air to our lungs and it flushes the air with nitric oxide, which opens up our blood vessels. And the size of our nostrils against our versus our mouth, which is where, where other people often breathe, is it, it's much smaller, creates resistance, so we feel calm. Okay. So throughout our nose, day to day, in and out through your nose. On the out breath, it captures moisture and heat leaving the body. Now that said, if we're in an emergency, if we wander onto the road and a car's coming for us, we'll go, <gasps> we'll gasp through the mouth. And that's the proper way to breathe in that moment okay. um, because we need that stress response to jump back and leap to the pavement for safety. But day to day, we want to be breathing through our nose using our diaphragm, which is our primary breathing muscle, which separates the chest from the lower torso. If you imagine the rib cage like a cage, mm -hmm. like a bird cage housing our lungs and our heart, mm -hmm. the diaphragm is the base of the cage. Mm -hmm. So it's a massive muscle that spans right the cross section of the body. And when we breathe with it, it contracts down. So the air and organs displace down and the belly expands before their chest. So when we talk about the diaphragmatic breath, a lot of people talk about belly breathing, mm -hmm. which is helpful and also not in some ways because we're not using our stomach muscles. It's okay. the diaphragmatic movement downwards that causes the belly to rise. So in and out through our nose, 
using our diaphragm so our belly will rise before the chest. The chest will still rise, but it's secondary. Okay. There's a slight expansion towards the end. And in terms of pace, the slower the better in some ways. There's the kind of the magic ratio that I talk about in Breathe In, Breathe Out, which is about five seconds in, five seconds out. That feels long. Is it long? That Which feels <laughs> quite slow, yeah. yeah. It, it, the ma- that That's the research-based magic ratio for keeping everything in really good order. Mm. But it does feel quite slow for some people. The Vedics, one of the oldest yogic traditions, they say that we are allotted a number of breaths for our lifetime. Okay. <laughs> which is quite an interesting way to look at it because the faster we breathe, the more stressed we are, which can have its complications. Okay. So the slower we breathe, like don't waste your breaths kind of idea yeah. does make a lot of sense. They're trying to encourage us to slow down. Yeah. Yeah, well, they often liken it to other mammals or other animals in the animal kingdom. Mm. So a mouse breathes very rapidly and doesn't live very long. Mm. Humans kind of sit in the middle kind of range, but then you have things like a tortoise that breathes very, very slowly and lives to uh, way over 100. So you can start looking at these different animals and how they operate. Mm. And it makes a lot of sense for, for humans to slow down our breathing as much as possible because most people are breathing too much and too quick. That is interesting. We were chatting just before we started recording and I was mentioning, you know, when you think about breathing, what are the things that pop into your head? And I was saying that kind of panicky moment thing and singers, I suppose, do a lot of breath work, especially opera singers, classically trained people. But also for me, it was like, oh yeah, (laughs) labour. I always remember having an antenatal teacher who would talk to us about our breathing, like, and that's a popular thing to 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 do as part of preparing for birth. But she used to talk about an, a ribbon unfurling. And I remember being a bit sceptical about it, you know, when we were doing the classes. But actually it kind of worked. It was just a tool. It was a thing you could rely yeah. on in that moment that wasn't an awful lot of fun, you know. Yeah, well, I think that's it. All these techniques are tools you can rely on in a moment. Yeah. And that's what's so great. And I think anybody that goes through childbirth will see the power of or the the pain relief power that breathing can have to relax the body. That out-breath relaxes, Mm -hmm. allows the whole body to relax as well. Every out-breath we switch off so the body does just go into relax mode, parasympathetic mode. Mm -hmm. So when we start using our breath in those different moments... And like you shared, the singer using their breath, using their diaphragm to really propel their voice and allow the uh, more length in those notes for especially for something like opera. Yeah. And then you have your yogis as well. Mm-hmm. So you have these um it's funny because we all are the perfect breather when we're born. Mm-hmm. Like babies are the breathing gurus, I often say. And then it's like unless you are training your breath like a yogi or opera singer or mm-hmm. um, going through things like childbirth, we we actually to pick up really bad habits or we have these experiences that cause us to hold on to our breath mm-hmm. and cause our breath to change. So in some ways it's kind of like unlearning all the bad habits yes. and going back to what we were breathing like when we were born. We could probably do five podcasts about this. It's so interesting and there's so many elements to it and the different... I think you said your book is... But the book is in three parts. The first part is about fixing and awareness. So awareness, how are you breathing right now, the Mm -hmm. reader? What does that mean? How does that affect you? How do we fix that quickly? And some of the quick fixes can be clothing choice. (laughs) If you're wearing tight jeans, tight belts, even wrong size bra, Mm -hmm. um, it's going to affect your breathing. 
So talk about quick fixes and then talk about stress and pain. Okay. Um, so that we can manage that quite quickly early on, mm-hmm. um, like putting out those fires. And then, so that first section is the fixed section. The second section is about deeper work. Okay. How do we understand our emotions? How do we work through simple emotions that we have throughout our day so we, we can process them properly? How do we work through complex emotions from our past, our belief systems, our patterns, our experiences, um, so we can move through those and kind of take off that bag of bricks? And then the final section, the third section is about optimize. Okay. How do we optimize our breathing? How do we use it as a performance enhancement tool when we go to the gym? How do we use it to come up with better ideas? How do we access a flow state? How do we increase our focus? How do we improve our public speaking? Mm-hmm. Um, all these different moments where we can actually use our breath as a tool to actually make things way, way better. You also do a lot of courses, sure, and you do obviously one-to-one as well. Like you're a very busy man at the moment, I imagine, but people get more information on your website about all that as well, won't they? Yeah, the, the website, breathpods.com, has everything that we, we've got going on at the moment. We do events, do workshops, do trainings, do corporate sessions. We've got an app coming up soon. Oh, cool. We've got the book out. Uh, pretty active on my social media as well. Uh, I do a lot on Instagram, like free morning sessions. Oh, nice. Usually different different themes. We took a break just recently, the last couple of weeks, because everything going on with book and yeah. etc. But we'll be back on those as well. And it's like twenty minutes to start your day. Oh, that sounds great. And it's a lovely, lovely community of people that join the Instagram. Every morning, 20 minutes, 7.30, Wonderful. we sit down, we do some breathing. Usually I do a month theme at okay. a time. It started off as a five-day challenge. Mm-hmm. I ended up doing it for two years. Oh, wow. So it's, but I just, I love it. It sets me up for my day as well as everybody else that's on those sessions. And, and they get some really good numbers of people on there as well. Um, so, and that always... I always find that fascinating that everybody's sitting, breathing together, starting their day like in a positive way, kind of high-fiving each other on the chat. It's a really, really positive group. Um, So, so nice. So that's another way to come and join in or at least step in and see what you can do and and how you can use your breath to start your day. Yeah, that sounds like a great idea. So what's your Instagram handle if people want to check that out? At BreathPod. I'm going to put that in the show notes anyway so people will find it there. Stuart is going to lead us in a breathing session just now for anyone who wants to join in. If you're listening on The Run, which is generally where I listen to my podcast mostly, you can always come back later at a better time for you to get properly involved. This is going to take us a few minutes. So over to you, Stuart. Yeah, I'm just going to do a nice relaxing breathing flow here. Just to, so if you are driving or anything like that, maybe come back to this at a time where you can really relax and settle down. And you can do this lay down or sat down, whatever feels most comfortable. And we're just going to get into a comfortable position. You can close down your eyes or bring them to a soft gaze. This will bring your attention inwards. And as you do bring your attention inwards, I want you just to see how you're feeling. Maybe noticing your toes, your legs, hips, arms. Maybe noticing your posture. Our posture often nudges us into certain breathing patterns. So if you're feeling like your posture is kind of constricted or collapsed, we can just roll our shoulders back, maybe loosen our neck a little bit. 
Good. So now we're just settling in. I'd like you to just notice the air in your room. That's where breathing begins. So notice the air in your room. Maybe noticing the temperature of the air, the texture of the air. And now I'd like you to breathe in and notice the air pass through your airways. So breathing in, noticing the air pass through your nostrils, maybe spiraling down your throat. And noticing where your breath is expanding into. So being very aware of your breathing in your chest or if you're breathing in your belly, maybe a combination of both. And that out breath, you can just relax and let go. So just for a moment, just want you to notice how are you breathing right now? How does it feel just to stop, pause and be with your breath? Can you notice a difference in the temperature between your in-breath and out-breath? How does it feel just to be and breathe? We breathe over 20,000 times a day. It's what keeps us alive. But it also lets us know how stressed we are, how much energy we have. It's a measure of how we're feeling. And we can take control of that to make a change. But it starts with awareness. So just noticing how are you breathing? How are you feeling? What's happening in your mind? So now we have that snapshot of where you are and how you feel. We're going to start deepening our breath. We're going to add some counts. And we want to be using our diaphragm to breathe. So if it helps, you can put your hands on your lower belly. So you can feel it rise and fall. And we're going to breathe in through our nose, feeling our belly rise for a count of four. Pause and hold at the top for a count of four. And then breathe out through your mouth for a count of eight. Let your shoulders drop. Good. And again, in for four. Feel your belly rise. Pause for four, keeping calm and still. And breathe out for eight. See if you can drop your shoulders even more. Nice. Let's keep going. So in for four. Feel your belly rise. Pause for four, keeping calm and still. This time as you breathe out, I want you to relax your jaw. Let's keep going. So breathe in. Pause and hold. And breathe out through your mouth. This time relax your forehead. Good. So breathing in. If you're still finding it hard to breathe into your lower torso, even imagine breathing into your hips. See if that helps and pause at the top. And this time as we breathe out through our mouth, I want you to relax behind your eyes. 
Good. And breathe in, belly rise. Pause and hold. And as you breathe out this time, let your whole body become heavy and relaxed. Let that wave of calm flow over you. Let's do two more. Breathe in, belly rise. Pause and hold. Breathe out through your mouth, let the whole body relax and melt. One last one. Breathe in, belly rise. Pause and hold. And breathe out. Good. So now just letting your breath come back to a natural rhythm. Keeping your eyes closed. And I'd like you to drop from your mind into the awareness of your body. So feeling your heartbeat in your chest. See if you can notice your heart beating. You might even feel the pulse your heart sends throughout your body. And when you feel your heartbeat, I want you to ask yourself a simple question. What would make today great? Good, let's take another breath in. Final one. Belly rise all the way to the top. Nice full breath. Pause and hold. You can smile. And slow breath out. As you open your eyes, coming back into your space. If I ever do anything like this on this podcast, I always feel like I'm not alert enough. <laughs> Once we come back to chatting, I feel so relaxed. It's like not your yeah, work mode, if you, off. if you know what I mean. But it's nice. It's really nice to feel that calm and chilled, I must say. Thank you, Stuart. That was oh, great. My pleasure. So that was a very relaxing breathing technique. I often call that technique, if in doubt, breathe it out. Yeah. In for four, hold for four, out for eight. And we did, I don't know how many rounds we did there, but... In one cycle, you may have noticed a difference. And that's sometimes the only time we have is like in the midst of a stressful moment. One cycle like that calms the nervous system and says, no, everything's okay. Yeah. And that's really the signal we're sending to our body and mind that everything is okay. I've got this. Um, so it's super helpful technique to have. And when we do it a bit longer, like we did there, a few more rounds, yeah. you'll start to really feel that relaxation response kick in, which is great if we are needing to get to sleep or we're wanting to switch off or if at the end of our day and we want to stop being in work mode um, and, and kind of relax into uh, the rest of our day when we, we can switch off. I will definitely be checking out the book because I think there's so much there to learn, so much more to learn. Like I said, we probably could have done five podcasts, if not 50, about what you've talked about today. It was really just a taster for listeners to see just how much your breathing can impact how you're feeling and mm. your your physical health too. Yeah. Your, your story is a truly inspiring one and I'm sure our listeners will have learned a lot from the podcast today. Thank you for joining us. 
If you have a suggestion for future episodes or would like to see us cover a particular area of personal development, please get in touch via social media. Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Reset Room. You could follow us on Twitter at Reset underscore room, on Facebook at The Reset Room and on Instagram at Reset Room Podcast. Please remember to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast and please do share it with a friend if you think they will like it. The Reset Room is a laudable production produced and hosted by me, Kelly Crichton. Our guest today was Stuart Sandeman and you'll find more about what we were discussing on his website, breathpod.com. Thanks again, Stuart. Thank you. See you next time.